good morning, brothers and sisters. I said good morning. Amen. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Sunday. He is risen. It's so good to be able to worship this morning. My name is Marcel Hall. My uh, wife, Karina, we have the honor and privilege of being able to serve full time in the ministry here. And uh, we are grateful uh, for this time to worship God. It's been a great worship service, hasn't it? Let's go ahead and thank the worship team. Come on. Can't no grave. All right. You know, the power of God, we just sang about that, be able to raise Jesus from the dead. And the very fact that I'm able to preach God's word is a symbol and a testimony to God's power. Amen. For those who knew me back in the day, this is the last thing that they would think of is Marcel Hall on there preaching God's word. And in fact, they even have a couple of my boys uh, who, who know me from back in the day. Who, who yeah, we were, they, they know Marcel. And uh, in fact, they used to call me a different name back in the day, okay? And uh, so I'm excited. In fact, can we just show some love here? I want to show some love to two of my, my good childhood friends, Titus and Tavares, in the house. So you, you can ask them. They'll be like, yeah, we, didn't, we would never think Marcel be up here preaching. That is the power of God. You don't believe in God? Just look at that black man on stage and say, there is a God who can resurrect people. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to get into the word of God this morning. And so we have started the year to pull everybody in speed. I know we have some people visiting here with us for the first time. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for all of you who are worshiping with us online. And so we uh, started off the calendar year talking about the Jesus cause, the cause of Jesus and what that entails to know the real Jesus, to follow the real Jesus and also to show the real Jesus to the world. Because unfortunately, we can have a misconception or a misunderstanding or see an incomplete or even a counterfeit version of Jesus. And so we decided, let's study out the real Jesus. And so we've been searching for the real Jesus. And so we've been looking at uh, the book of Luke, which is a letter really kind of documenting Jesus's life and ministry through one of his followers named Luke, who was a doctor, but he's really a great historian. He went and did research and figured out, okay, let's let's figure this thing out. And so he wrote this letter talking about Jesus. And so we've been looking at this letter for the last several weeks here and discovering the real Jesus. And so we've been making some observations about who Jesus really is and then also how that applies to our lives. And it's, oh, actually, last week, we asked for some of you to go ahead and uh, write down as well, who is the real Jesus to you? And so we have a number of people that wrote things. And so, you know, let's just go ahead and see. I haven't seen any of these. So let's go ahead and see what some of y'all said here. They said the real Jesus is compassionate, my Savior, my Lord, my Messiah, the greatest teacher, comfort. He's there for me all the time. He's the homie. Jesus is the big homie. Okay, I get that. All right. Uh, my rock, everything, a rescuer, a world changer, my friend, patient, awesome, everything, all that matters, the answer to everything, the king we need, forgiving, amazing, a servant, bold. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always with you. He's a slam dunk. Yeah. Amen. Come on. All right. All right. That's. 
I would have never thought about that, but that's cool. Okay, he's a slam dunk. There you go. All right, he's lovely and gentle and hard, the sign of perfect sacrifice and surrender. He gives me hope, my power in all things, my joy of fighter, friends of fishermen and rugby players. He's a friend of fishermen and rugby players. Okay, I have a feeling I know who that was who said that. There you go. And I think that says he is the dude. Is that what that says? All right, so he's the dude. All right, amen, there you go. And so we can see the real Jesus is all these things and more. And so in fact, we uh, so far have studied out and learned a couple of things. We did, we could, there's no way we can do an exhaustive list or an exhaustive study of Jesus in the last couple of weeks, but some of the things that we have taken note of, he's powerful. He's not religious, but he's righteous. He's a world changer who welcomes interruptions. He challenges our worldviews, shows us how to love God and how to love our neighbor. He gives us a voice. He's full of grace and truth. He finds what was lost. He wasn't American. Uh Oh, watch out. There you go. That one almost got some people shot. All right. There you go. And he's inspiring. And so today we're going to go ahead and look and see how the real Jesus lives. The real Jesus lives today, and that's what we are celebrating, how the real Jesus lives. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this opportunity to reflect, to consider, to observe, and remember and celebrate the resurrection. And Father, as we celebrate the fact that Jesus lives, God, help us to see what that means for our lives Father, help us to see what you are trying to communicate to us and allow us to respond to that in faith and in truth. And God, I pray that your word may speak to every soul, whether they decided to follow Jesus over 30 years ago or this is maybe the first 30 minutes they've ever had in contact with you. God, I pray that your word will penetrate, will inspire and lead us to you. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, if you could turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. If you don't have one, we're going to have some scriptures on the the screen here. And so just to give a little context, we we, we saw on Friday for our Good Friday worship uh, that Jesus died upon the cross. And we call it Good Friday because he died for our sins. And so we're going to take it up in Luke chapter 24. And so here's the scene. Jesus has been crucified. This was a form of execution. This was for the the biggest criminals. This was trying to send the biggest message. This is your form of an electrocution chair, the gas chamber. Uh, That's what the crucifixion was. So this is what Jesus suffered. And then some women come on early on Sunday morning and they find that the tomb is empty. And hallelujah, that the tomb is still empty. Amen. And so they come and then they go to and, and then they actually come in contact with the risen Jesus. Imagine what that was like. And then they run on over to Jesus's followers, his disciples, and they say, hey, we saw the risen Jesus. And they don't really believe them at first, which makes sense. What do you mean he rose from the dead? We we, we know he was crucified. Nobody could do that. And so Jesus actually goes and he appears to two other of his disciples on the road and, and he starts to share with them. And then they realize, whoa, Jesus has risen. And then they go back and tell the other friends, they're like, guys, it is true. He is risen. And so we take it up right here 
in Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. Are we all there? You guys all with me? I said, are you all with me? Okay, all right. So we know the scene here. Let's go. Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. While they were still looking about, were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened. Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? You got to love that about Jesus. I showed you my hands and my feet. You still don't believe. All right, let's go. Let, let's go have a let's go. Let, let's go get some grilling going. Let's hook up that fish. In verse 42, they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. I love that about Jesus. I would have been asking for some steak. You got any ribs? I guess they would have did beef ribs back then. OK, all right. And so let's continue reading. It says in verse 43. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. We'll stop Right there. There's a lot that we can go over. But this is Easter Sunday and we're reminded of the truth. We're reminded of this fact that the real Jesus lives, that he didn't stay in the grave, but that he rose from the dead and is now at the right hand of the father in heaven. The real Jesus lives. You know, this is the basis of our Christian faith. It's the resurrection of Christ. It's not just that he died, because a lot of people died on the cross, but it's that he rose on the third day. The real Jesus lives. You know, the Bible reveals that there's over 500 witnesses of the risen Jesus. It wasn't just a few, but over 500 would testify that they had seen not a ghost, but the resurrected Jesus. And that's what we celebrate today. And so we have to ask this question, OK, if the real Jesus lives. What does that mean overall? What does that mean for my life? How should I respond to this? The first thing that this reveals is that the real Jesus then is divine. That that means he is Lord, that he truly is the son of the most high God. He's not a historical figure like Alexander the Great, Aristotle, Cleopatra, Gandhi, MLK, Lincoln. He's not any of those. He's not a historical figure who just had an impact upon our world. The very fact that he rose from the dead means that he's divine. 
He's no common man like you and me. And he's not just some religious figure, but that he is divine, that he is the Lord, that he is the Son of God. It means he's not even one of the great heroes or one of the great prophets in the faith. He's not Abraham or Sarah, Moses, or even King David. He is the Christ. He is alive, and he reigns in heaven. And he sent his spirit which dwells in those who would repent and get baptized and follow him. This also means that his word is true. That the words that he spoke weren't just opinion, but they were divine words. They were authoritative words. They were the words of the creator. And it means his promises are true. For those who would place their faith in him, that means they could trust that Jesus' promise will be fulfilled in their lives and will lead to an eternal life. Can I get an amen? You see, the risen Jesus, the Jesus is alive, the real Jesus is Lord, divine, the Son of God. So then what should our response be if the real Jesus lives? If the real Jesus is the Son of God, he's divine, then how should we respond? Should we just come together on Easter, get together, sing a couple songs, and then leave and say, hallelujah, that's it? Or does it call for a different type of response? Here's what we can learn in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. What is this saying? The response to the real Jesus, the response to the real Jesus being alive is that we shouldn't live no longer for ourselves, but we should live for the real Jesus. It says not only did he die, but he rose again. And what's the response? He says to live for Jesus. You know, this is really the only true response to the real Jesus. You know, a counterfeit, an incomplete, an inaccurate view and depiction of Jesus, that's not worth living for. I grew up watching and seeing, you know, videos or pictures. And, you know, I know some of you really love the Jesus with the little lamb. I know you do. I'm just going to be vulnerable and you can, you can hate me later. That one doesn't inspire me. One, he didn't look like that, but two, just... It just doesn't get it for me. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't make me say, yeah, let's go live for him. Why? Because that's an incomplete version of Jesus. You see, when you find out who he really is, when you understand his teachings, when you see his character, the only real appropriate and reasonable response is to live no longer for yourselves, but to live for him. Because you see he's Lord, you see he's Messiah. You see his miracles, you understand what he's done. And you understand that he rose from the dead. You see, the real Jesus calls for us to live for him. Let me ask you this, what's worth living for? What are some things that you might consider or our society, or maybe right now you think are worth living for? Let me ask you this, is it worth living for money? Is money really worth living for? Sex, 
cars, gadgets, fame, education, respect, street cred, politics, a massive following on social media, even our parents or relationships or any of those things really worth living for every day for the rest of your lives. You see, the real Jesus, he's worth living for. The real Jesus is worth living for. I'm going to say it again. The real Jesus is worth living for. You say, well, I don't know if that's true. I, why would you say such a thing, Marcel? Why? Because, see, the real Jesus thinks we were worth dying for. You see, the real Jesus is worth living for because he thought you were worth dying for. That's the most compelling thing in the world. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me here? Look, he says, for Christ's love. It didn't say for Christ out of obedience. It didn't say for Christ was just trying to do the nice thing. It says Christ's love compels us. Why? Because what did he do? He died for all. He didn't die for the righteous because none of us are righteous. He didn't die for a certain demographic, a certain country. He died for all. Not because we were doing the right thing, but honestly because we were doing the wrong thing and we had alienated ourselves with God. And Jesus says, hold up, here's what we're going to do here. I think so highly. No, 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 no. I don't think so highly. I love them so much that I'll take their punishment. You see, God is just, and we all agree there has to be justice. And so God has justice, but he says, I, I, the plan here is not for you to have to suffer that. So Jesus comes and suffers so that God can stay just, but we can see his love. You see, Jesus didn't think so highly of you. No, he loved you so much. And he believed you were worth dying for. He believed I was worth dying for. And it says here again that we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Again, this is the appropriate, reasonable response. When you see how much that he went through, you say, I got to do something in response. You know, the other day, uh, we were sleeping, and my son, Dominique, he's four years old. We call him baby boy. And uh, he has this, uh, this bad habit uh, of coming into our bedroom, like, early in the morning after he's woken up, or he's still kind of half asleep, and he'll come into our room and then lay down in the middle. And so we'll wake up, and he's, like, kicking me. He's got a knee in my back. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, this little dude. And I get pushed over to the side. And so he comes into our, our bedroom, and, and this is the other night, and he's sleeping, or he comes in. I'm not sure what's going on, but he also gets, uh, what do you call it, growing pains. You know, I never had growing pains. <laughs> oh, see, see, y'all evil. Look at you, see? That's wrong, man. Y'all trying to make fun of me. Okay, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Okay, all right. It's all good. All right, so he has growing pains. 
And so he comes in and he's yelling out and he, and he needs some help. And so Karina tries to help him. And I'm, I'm like, what is going on? This boy? And he's getting loud and you can, he's getting a little feisty there. Right. And so Karina tries to help him out. And then she so she's soothing him, helping his leg. And then she says, Marcel, uh, can you rub his other leg? <laughs> you already know. <laughs> I was not feeling that idea. I'm like, huh? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Knowing I heard what she said. So she repeats herself. Can you rub his other leg? And I'm like, man, that's the last thing I want to do. I need to get a couple more Z's. But I turn over and I said, you know what? I really don't feel like this, but I love this boy. And I do love my sleep as well. And so we rub his legs there, and, and then he goes and he starts to fall asleep, and I can't really fall asleep, but he turns over to Karina and he says, I'm sorry, mommy. I'm sorry for, what do he say, being mean or something like that. And so it was this real cool thing because, you see, Love compelled us to receive him. Love compelled us to go in and respond to him. But love also from him called him to respond in gratitude and even to apologize. You see, love compelled Christ not to just come and give you some nice good words, not to give you some wisdom and teaching. He came to die for you so that you can have eternity. So what should our response be? I'm sorry, Lord, and then live for him. You see... You're not just valued, you're loved so, so deeply that Jesus took the wicked, hideous, horrible death possible so that you can be have freedom in Christ. You see, the real Jesus calls for a response, and that response is to live for him. He's worthy of committing our lives to, worthy of sacrificing for, worthy of denying ourselves of sin, worthy of following, worthy of trusting, worthy of persevering, worthy of even dying for as well. The real Jesus is worth living for because we were worth dying for. I also want to share this real quickly here, is that the real Jesus, he makes sense. What do I mean by this? Let's go on over to Luke chapter 24. Brothers and sisters, are you still with me here? It says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. You know, they also did this when he was talking with the two other disciples and they were able to understand. And Jesus opens their minds so they could understand the scriptures. See, after his resurrection, he explains things and it starts to come together. It starts to go, oh, this makes sense. But Jesus also doesn't make sense of just the resurrection. But the real Jesus makes sense of life. Makes sense of how life should be. You know, God designed life. And so the life we all desire can be found only in Jesus. You see, we all desire things in our lives, don't we? We desire them, but see, the problem is we don't actually achieve, receive, or experience them to the fullness of the way God designed because a lot of times the way we go after it is outside of God's will. So therefore, we actually shortchange ourselves in the things that we desire. But Jesus, being the author and perfecter of life and our faith, if we follow his path, we will actually experience 
the things that we desire in full. What, what, what are we talking about here, Marcel? Let's think about this. We all desire relationships. In some form or fashion, we desire to connect and be connected. Even those of us who are intro, uh, introverted, we desire still and we need connection and relationships. But Jesus' example and teachings show us how to have and to keep meaningful, deep, reciprocal relationships. We desire purpose. We want to know, do our lives matter? You see, Jesus' example and teachings show us that our purpose is beyond consuming material possessions, is beyond material gain, but that our original design by God is to be with God for all eternity. And he shows us how to truly have not just an impact, but an eternal impact upon our earth. Joy, truth, freedom, experiences, etc. They can only be found to the point which we truly desire through Jesus. You see, all of us have gone after these things in some form or fashion. However, what have we started to realize or, or we're now realizing or we realized a long time ago is that those other things simply don't work or satisfy. When we go after relationships, when we go after happiness or purpose or a life that matters outside of Christ, we realize that we always end up coming up short. Our own way, society's manual, leading to what? A society of what? Broken relationships. Emptiness. Being unsatisfied. Facades that we are chasing after. Being trapped and regrets. However, the real Jesus, he gives us these things in fullness when we actually follow him. And it doesn't mean that we're talking about a health and wealth gospel, that when we follow Jesus, we get rich and we have no problems. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. I'm saying the depth of relationship that you and I desire can only be found when we live in Christ. That the joy that we seek, not happiness which is fleeting and only temporary, but joy in and despite hard times can only be found in Jesus. The purpose that we want, I want my life to matter. We can have an impact, but not to the fullness which we can have when we're in Jesus. The truth, the freedom can never be found unless we're in Jesus. And even when our life goes the way we don't want it to, Jesus is still the one that gets us through it, making him again worthy of living for. I want to call up Gina Galassi right now, and Gina's going to share. She's a wonderful sister in our fellowship, and she's going to share. And she's going to be able to share how the real Jesus has uh, inspired her to live for him as well. All right. I have been a little emotional, um, so I brought some... Is it okay to stick my phone here? Is that going to yeah. mess up your... Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Well, let's just be double safe here. Okay, okay how about we... Because if it falls, then you're going to blame me. I some props before. Thank you. Thanks, Marcel. 
Well, as Marcel said, my name's Gina, and I am part of the um, Placentia family group, or the P-Town Posse. Love, love, love this group. Um, and I live in Placentia with my husband, Chris, and our two dogs. Um, and I work for the Hartford Insurance. So um, Marcel had asked me to share about why following Jesus is worth it to me. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time thinking about this and praying about it. And honestly, the answer to that question is pretty simple. Um, it's because it actually works um, to follow him. Hold on one second. I'm having some technical difficulties. And I'm getting older, so like I can't read my phone as well as I used to. So, um, okay, so uh, with that being said, um, so I started following Jesus when I was about 19, and at first it was mostly because I believed that it was the right thing to do. Um, I had tried alcohol, drugs, relationships, friendships, and the pursuit of fun to find fulfillment in life. And all of those things just made me bitter, unforgiving, and more cynical and unhappy. Um, really only being reconciled to God brought the peace, joy, and freedom that I had searched for in life. So over the last 29 years, I've had periods in my life where um, I've been compelled by Christ's love and to live for him, and those times have been great, and they've been memorable and fulfilling. Um, but I've also had times in my life where I've stopped living for Christ and lived for myself, and doing so has never really resulted in that peace and joy and forgiveness and contentment um, that I long for and that comes from living for Jesus. I've not had a perfect walk with God, but I have not given up, and I haven't stopped trying either. Um, so God has used all the struggles and challenges that I've encountered while striving to live for him and follow Christ to train me, mold me, and give me the character I needed over the last few years to deal with um, some pretty tough life challenges. I've lost close friends and family members, and um, I've gone through cancer treatment. So. I will say that as tough as those things were, I was able to experience them uh, with faith, joy, peace, determination, and hope. But that's only because of Jesus. Um, so in Luke chapter 6, there's a passage that says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well-built. See, I told you. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Um, so this passage comes to mind a lot as I've been going through cancer treatment. Um, I'm grateful for the ways that God has helped me to overcome and mature and for every challenge that has been in my life. Um, overcoming, you know, wounds of childhood, um, like debilitating insecurity. The fact that I'm even up here doing this right now is definitely God's power is, has worked in my life. Um, you know, learning to become a financially responsible adult, campus students, I'm sure some of you are trying to figure that out. Um, you know, dealing with depression, um, you know, growing up, or growing and living in a disciplined life and in a disciplined way, and then learning how to have healthy boundaries in my relationships. Um, Following his teachings through those struggles has truly given me a solid and deep faith, and after being diagnosed with cancer, I did not once doubt that God was near me or question his will for my life. I believed he would either allow the treatment to work and I would continue to live, or it wouldn't work and then I'd get to be with him instead. So either way, I felt resolved. Now, I will admit that I definitely had questions like, hmm, what choices did I make that caused this? Or is it just my genetics? Or, you know, was there something else, you know? Um, but I didn't blame God for my circumstances. 
Uh, so here's what I'll say. One of the things that happens when we commit ourselves to following Jesus at baptism is we are added to God's family. So I think if we went around the room and asked everyone to give us the first few words that come to mind when they think of family, we would have a wide variety of responses because, um, you know, some of us have had really positive, healthy experiences with our families, and some of us have had negative and painful ones. <clears throat> Uh, following Jesus has enabled me to have authentic, deep, and healthy relationships with my brothers and sisters. There's definitely been conflict, differences of opinion, hurt feelings, and even betrayal over the years, but there's also been forgiveness, reconciliation, and love. So much love. So with that, I just wanted to thank all of you for your support and encouragement, um, because that really, truly helped me to get through the last couple of months and year, really. Um, whether it was a text or a call or dinner, flowers, surprises on my doorstep, joining Team Gina, doing the cancer walk with me, whatever it was, um, your prayers gave me strength and they helped me to feel connected even when I wasn't able to come to the meetings of the body. Uh, and it also helped me to feel God's love and comfort. I knew he was with me every step of the way. I also want to thank my husband, Chris, um, who... I would have probably never met had I not um, followed Jesus because I met him here at church. Um, and he has been just steadfast in his own faith. Um, he's loved for, he's loved me and cared for me and he truly was a rock for me and the best companion that I could have ever asked for on this journey that's been filled with appointments, needles, prescriptions, tears, pain, and exhaustion. So I love you, babe. Um, so as a result of following Jesus, um, I have a lot of wonderful and great things in my life, and I've been blessed by God in many ways, and his power has changed me. But that doesn't mean my life has always been easy, and it's not always been easy for me to follow Jesus either. The real Jesus' love for me was shown through his suffering at the hands of men and, on the death on, and death on a cross. So when I've felt like giving up, I've looked at him, and he did not give up. When I've not wanted to deal with painful things in my life, I looked at him, and he did not numb out. And I'm so grateful that he hasn't given up on me in my weak moments. Um, his love compels me to continue to follow him, and I'm determined to not give up for as long as I can still make that decision. Thanks for listening. Amen. Great job. Great job. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. Thank you, Gina, so much for sharing that. We appreciate it. And so how should we respond again to the real Jesus living? I believe it's this, for us to turn or return to God. To turn to God. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you that it starts with just a decision to pursue the living God. To make a decision to say, I just want to discover who is this real Jesus and be able to get some help and figure out who Jesus really is and how this love compels and how this love transforms. And as Gina says, how this love can sustain you through life's ups and downs. Again, if you're the first time here in the gospel or grew up in the faith but never made the decision, I want to encourage you. The real Jesus is worth discovering and following. And I know we have some that you did follow Jesus at some point, or maybe you grew up in the church and you decided to, to leave Jesus for whatever particular reason, and the call and the response now is to return to God. 
It's to come back and to return to him and to give your life over because God is calling you back today. Not with finger pointed, but with open arms saying, I receive you. We can deal with all that stuff. I'm not worried about that because I want to transform you and bring you back into my family. Again, it starts with a decision today to give God not the leftovers, but to give God your very best. So let's get real practical. Everybody who knows me, I know I like to go ahead and get real practical. And so let's have an action step here that we can apply today for ourselves going forward. And here's what it is to go ahead and discover the real Jesus through some Bible studies. To be able to discover who is the real Jesus. And the only way we can start to discover that is by sitting down with people who know the real Jesus and getting into God's word. Because that's pivotal in order to know him, but in order to know how to follow him. And then the honor and privilege of being able to show him to your friends and neighbors. We, we all need help and we can't do it alone. And so I want to encourage every one of us. Again, if you're, even if you're online... I want to encourage you to go ahead and send a message and we can go ahead and respond and set you up with some Bible studies. If you're visiting here with us in person, the person who brought you probably will ask you, hey, you know what? What do you think about getting into some Bible studies? Go ahead and say yes. Go ahead and say yes and figure out how can I discover who the real Jesus is? That whole thing about him living and, and, and his love. I, I, let me just figure it out. Or if you want to beat him to the punch, go ahead and turn over to him and say, hey, can we just do what he said? Because I can guarantee you that over 20 years ago, some, some young men, they sat down and asked me, I want to study the Bible. I said, yeah, let's do this. And I had been to church for most of my life. I had actually read the Bible all the way through. But as we started to study God's word, I said, whoa, I don't know this, Jesus. And I fell in love with that Jesus. And that Jesus inspired me to say no to the way I was living, and yes to him. And that's why I can say the power of the resurrection is displayed in my life. What the power of God's word could do, I could just testify to and say without a doubt that the real Jesus lives and he is worth living for. Because he that we were worth dying for. We're going to take communion right now, and we're reminded that the real Jesus makes sense. And we're going to take the emblems that represent his body and his blood that was sacrificed for us. And what well, well, we take communion, we remember Jesus' death upon the cross, but we also remember his resurrection. And you know, the cross, it meant horror, it meant death. But after Jesus went upon the cross, what it now means is love, hope, grace, mercy, power, and freedom because of his resurrection. And so let's close out with 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us a chance to either encounter you through your word today or be reintroduced to these deep truths. 
God, I'm so in awe and I, I, I'm just humbled by the fact that you just don't love me. But as it says in John 3, 16, you so love me. And God, you've given me grace to be able to see and be able to respond to that love. And God, as we pray right now, as we take the emblems, we, 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 we have a duality going on. God, we, we do have serious regret and, 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 and shame over sin, but yet that is quickly covered over with joy and gratitude and excitement because it meant the forgiveness of our sins. And God, we rejoice that Jesus raised and that he lives again and that those who follow you, Lord, have your spirit living in us. God, help us to respond Help us to appreciate. Help us to be grateful. Help us to love you, not with just words or church attendance, but to love you with our lives. Thank you for dying, but thank you for raising on the third day.